Let me pray for us. Father, I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you through Christ, your son, whom you have sent in the world. For it's in his name we do pray. Amen. Welcome again, everyone. It's a delight to have all of you here this evening. Some of you were offended that I disrespected one of your favorite Christmas carols in my sermon on Sunday. I had no idea that Mary Did You Know was such a crowd favorite. I feel like I owe Carrie Underwood an apology or something, but I still don't like the song. And here's a critique of another <laughs> favorite Christmas carol, Silent Night. And it's not really a critique, but more of a concern. There are two words that concern me, and it's not because they aren't true in what they say, but what they might unintentionally communicate to some who hear them. And those words are calm and bright. We're going to sing them here in a few moments. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, which is absolutely true because of the next line, round yon virgin, mother and child. Notice it's not round young virgin, which is exactly what I thought and grew up singing all of the time. It's round yon virgin in the sense of yonder, over yonder, and not round in the sense of rotund because she's pregnant, but round in the sense of around her. Everything is calm and bright for Mary because the Christ child has now arrived, whom we have already said is Emmanuel, God with us, God in human flesh is there with her. And so everything that's chaotic and dark in and around Mary has been cast out and replaced with, with peace and with the light of his divine presence. And that's true for her. And what I want for you to know this morning is that this evening is that that can be true for you as well. But here's how those words might unintentionally communicate something that's not true. And that is in them, someone could hear this. Unless your life and your soul right now are calm and bright, then this night is not for you. In other words, if you don't relationally, emotionally, spiritually possess peace and happiness in all of your life, or at least in the greatest parts of your life in this story and even this holiday that we celebrate, they're not for you. I think that's what Amanda Shire has heard in those words. Do you know who Amanda Shire is? You know that name? Um, I don't personally know her, but one of my favorite things to do is to speculatively psychoanalyze people that I really don't know. So here goes. And Amanda Shire... She is a ridiculously talented musician, a fiddle player from Texas. Uh, and she's married to Jason Isbell. She's also a singer songwriter and she's just come out with her own Christmas album. And it's very different from many other Christmas albums. It's not Carrie Underwood's Mary Did You Know, not at all, because there are no traditional carols on it. In fact, it's somewhat of an anti-Christmas album. She does her own rewrite of Silent Night. And this, these are her lyrics. Silent Night, Silent Night. Notice she replaces the word holy. Nothing is calm. Nothing is bright. Quiet is all I wanted. Nothing's calm. Nothing feels bright. Quiet is all I wanted tonight. It wasn't good. It was a beast. So much loss and so much grief. And she's talking about Christmas there, that, that it as a day, it as an experience, it wasn't calm. It wasn't bright. It was, a, it was a beast. It was terrible because of all of the loss and the grief that she has known over the past year. And maybe that's true of many of you. I know that it's true of many of you, of all the, the loss and the grief that you have known. And so I wonder if you will hear in the words of Silent Night, the, the senses, the sensibilities that Amanda Shire hears as well, and maybe more fully identify with her rewrite. In other words, ask yourself, is the story that we're reading tonight for me? 
Is it for me? Who exactly is this story for? Well, here are the biblical characters in tonight's lessons. First of all, these are the ones that participate. And first of all, the prophets like Isaiah, whom we just read from a few minutes ago, the Old Testament prophets were bizarre people. They were outcasts. They were people that lived on the margins of society. They dressed in strange, cheap, uncomfortable clothing. The last of the prophets, John the Baptist, he's the man of Advent. He's one that we've spent so much time with over the past month. Two of my four Advent sermons were on him. And we meet him every Advent because he's a preparation for right now, for tonight, for everything that will happen. And he and all the prophets before him, they're the chosen heralds of God's message of him coming into this world. And here's their message. This is the message of John the Baptist and all the prophets that when God comes into the world, he's going to turn the world upside down. Everything that's high, everyone that's high will be brought low. And everyone that's low, everything that's low will be raised up. So the rich, those who are thriving in this world, rich in whatever form, they will become empty and desperate. While the poor, those who are suffering in and through this world, they will be filled. They will be made satisfied. And that's the Christmas message of all the prophets. And so maybe you're low this evening. Maybe you've been low. Like Amanda Shire's song, Sing, maybe you're, you're poor, literally poor, or even more so poor in spirit as Jesus speaks because of everything that you've endured over the past year, the past couple of years, all the grief and loss that you've known, what's been done to you or what you yourself have done. If so, the message tonight is that Christmas is for you. But also then there's Mary. I preached on her Sunday and I have three boys, but I still know that most girls, if they're going to be in a Christmas pageant, they want to be Mary. And parents, if you're a little girl, uh, gets the part of Mary, know that you probably ought to sew a giant letter A onto her costume like Hester Prynne and the scarlet letter because your little girl will be pretending to be an unwed teenage mother from a poor family in a rural kind of outcast sort of place, a, a young woman who, whose marriage was arranged for her to a much, much older man because that was the only path possible for her in life. And in becoming pregnant by the Holy Spirit before her marriage was fully and finally complete, her future with all of its safety and all of its security, all of the familiarity that it promised, all of the happiness, all of it was lost. So everything that we celebrate tonight ruined Mary and her family's plan for her life. It made her like the prophets. It made her a scandal. It pushed her to the margins of the society in her village. And one of the things that my family has done at times at Christmas is to read the best Christmas pageant ever. Do you know this book by Barbara Robinson? It's the story of the Herdman kids who are six unsupervised, unwashed hooligan children from this very broken home. And they fight and they drink and they cuss and they steal and they bully all the other kids in town. They are the family that everyone loathes and everyone fears. And one day they decide to go to church because they hear that there are snacks at church, donuts in the hospitality room. And they, and they come to church and they hear about Jesus for the first time. And they hear about Christmas for the first time and that there's gonna be a Christmas pageant and they want to be in the pageant. And Imogene, the oldest sister, who in her life has already burned down a building, she threatens and bullies Alice Wendelkin into not trying out. And Alice is always Mary. Everyone loves Alice. 
because she's beautiful and kind and gentle. She's this angelic little girl that everyone loves and everyone adores. And Imogene gets the part because she auditions unopposed. And the parents and everyone in the church almost riot because they cannot imagine someone like Imogene portraying the role and person of Mary. But that's the point. The point is that this church and those parents and all of those people, they don't understand the Christmas story very well. Because Mary, after Gabriel's visit, is much more like Imogene than Alice ever was. And maybe you too. Maybe you know what it's like to be Imogene or like her. Rejected. Lonely. Maybe that's what this year has held for you. Or left behind. Left out. Labeled. Labeled in some way. Labeled as unwanted. Labeled as unacceptable. And maybe it's been those closest to you who have done it spouse or parents, parents you've disappointed, children that you've disappointed in some way, displeased, siblings or friends. Maybe you have a past. You have a past that makes all the good people uncomfortable and upset when you're around. If so, Christmas is for you. And then last, there's the shepherds and the wise men. The shepherds, you may know, they had such a bad reputation in the ancient Near East and Palestine in particular that they weren't allowed to testify in court because they were dirty and they were crooked and unethical men, uneducated, poor, very low class type of people. And God chooses them to be the first ones to set their eyes on him in human form. The very first ones, the very first witnesses of him in the flesh of all people. No one trusted them, but God chose them because the message that came to him was one that was truly meant that this would be good news of a great joy that would be for all the people. Shepherd type people, all the people. Even those that everyone thought was so far from God that nothing possible in this world could ever bring them close. And they were right about that. But something impossible and from beyond this world has happened and drawn them close. And the wise men as well. Literally, the Bible calls them magi, from which we get our word magic or magician, uh, because they were a combination of astronomer and astrologer, and they were rich, as rich as the shepherds were poor, and they were as powerful and influential and wanted as the shepherds were untrusted and discarded. And they were as pagan as anyone in the world ever was, from a great distance away from Israel, knowing nothing about the God of the Bible or anything. And they were drawn over incredible distances to God when the people who were so very close, the people who were very near with very few distances, very, very few obstacles separating them from the Christ child, all of the most religious people in Israel, they refused to go. But these magi, they bow their knees, they bow their very hearts and they open and they offer up all of their treasures to him. And so what about you? You feel distant from God? COVID has done that to many. Have you been away for a while or distant for a while? Does it feel like tonight that there's a great distance between you and everything that's going on here, all of this Christmas stuff, all of this Christianity stuff, all of it? You need to know that the wise men were further away from God than you are. And God drew them close. And he changed their hearts and they changed their lives. As we'll read here in a few moments, they went home another way. And here's something that you have to understand, and this is where I close, and that is Christmas and, and Christianity as a whole. 
the gospel as we speak of it, it's not an escape. It's not a break from all that is wrong or broken or hurtful or sinful or evil in the world. I wonder if that's the assumption behind Amanda Shire and her, her album. The assumption that Christianity and, and Christmas is just about sentimentality. It's just about nostalgia. It's just some, some nostalgia for an imaginary past that never took place, that never really existed. If that's all it is, then yes, it can make you into a Christmas type of cynic. But Christmas isn't a parenthetical time in which we pretend that there's nothing wrong and nothing broken or painful or sad in the world. In fact, just the opposite. Christmas isn't pretending that nothing's wrong. Christmas is the answer to all that is wrong. Christmas moves us closer and deeper into the bleak and dark realities of our life in this world and then shines irresistible and ineffable divine light upon it. Because that's what God has done in Christ. He has moved far closer and far deeper into our bleak, dark realities of this world and our lives than we could have ever imagined because he's Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is God as us. He is God for us. He took all of those dark, bleak realities upon himself when he took on flesh. And he took them upon himself in order to take them off of us, especially in and through the cross. Because he loves you that much. He loves you that much. He loves this world that much. And that love and that grace can change you. It can change you. If you come near to the one who has come near to you, you can be changed. And all the chaos and all of the pain, it can become calm. And the dark things of your life and the world around you, the dark things that you have known, it can be forgiven and transformed and made bright. If you only come in faith and in surrender, if you will come in the surrender, that is faith. And so will you come? Will you come tonight? Because Christmas is for you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would make it known to us deep within our souls that your word and everything that we read, everything that we're saying and even seeing tonight, that it truly is for us, for us together, all of us gathered here this evening, but for each and every one of us individually as well. May we bend our hearts. May we bend our knees. May we, may we open ourselves up fully and completely to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.